0: Have you ever wondered why Jesus took only Peter, James, and John with him to reveal his true nature, his divine nature, in this mystery that the church calls the transfiguration? What was so special about those three yahoos in comparison to the rest of the apostles? Well, first, we need to remember what this remarkable event, the Transfiguration, was. It was nothing less than Jesus revealing in Hebrew called the Kabod Arunai, the glory of God, the heavenly glory that Jesus always shared with his Father before becoming flesh, had kept veiled while he was in our flesh, and chose to reveal to these three disciples. The transfiguration shows Jesus's divinity as a reality that is not something outside of him or external to him but from within him because he and his father are one in being and fully share the one united divine nature. So, why were only Peter, James, and John chosen? Earlier in Mark chapter 8, verse 29, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter alone spoke up. Not because Peter was the sharpest tool in the shed. Hardly. He spoke up for one reason only. At that particular moment, Peter was receptive to the grace of God to blurt out the truth, you are the Christ. Now, did Peter understand what that meant? No. Did Peter grasp the implications of such a declaration? No. Now, how do we know that? No sooner had Peter made this revelation, Jesus said in chapter 8, verse 31, that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. And Peter would have none of it. A suffering and dead Messiah were not consistent with Peter's expectations. In fact, they were offensive to Peter. And this compels us to ask, what expectations do we have of Jesus? How does he offend us? According to the sacred text, Peter then rebuked Jesus. Now that word rebuke, epitemon, primarily refers to God's word of wrath. Only God can properly rebuke, chide, admonish. Why? Because only God sees the fullness of truth of people. So here is bumbling Peter rebuking God in the flesh. And I can't help but think that Jesus had to be chuckling deeply inside of himself and just wanted to break out in peals of laughter at Peter's utterly absurd action. Now, if a human being is going to rebuke another human being, then three conditions must be met. First, it must be done out of brotherly correction. There is no indication Peter did that. If anything, Peter's motives were selfish. Second, The one who rebukes can only do so if he or she recognizes that he or she shares a common flaw with the one being rebuked. That in other words, both are fallen creatures equally in need of God's mercy. But Jesus is not a fallen creature. He is God. Three, the rebuke must be accompanied by a genuine willingness to offer unconditional love but Jesus did nothing wrong except that he offended Peter's sensibilities well then Jesus then rightly turned and he rebuked Peter saying get behind me what satan a satan an adversary Peter's rebuke of Jesus demonstrated Peter had no idea who Jesus was. It emanated from a purely selfish motive, revealing a closed mind. Jesus' rebuke of Peter, however, came from Jesus knowing exactly who Peter was and how Peter was made. Jesus' rebuke of Peter was motivated out of love, concern for Peter's spiritual growth, for Peter's salvation, and for Peter's future ministry in the church. Now, what about James and John? We first meet them in Mark chapter 3, verse 17, where Jesus gave them a nickname. Anyone know the nickname? Bonanerges, or Sons of Thunder. Now, how did that nickname come around? Remember, as God, Jesus knew the personalities of these two guys just as he knew Peter's personality and just as he knows yours and mine. He knew James and John were hotheads. Now, where do we see this? When Jesus and the disciples were wandering through Samaritan territory, they sought lodging. The Samaritans and the Jews harbored ancient grudges against each other. They still do. And here the Samaritans refused to offer hospitality because Jesus and his disciples were Jews. Enraged, James and John asked Jesus, as recorded in Luke chapter 9, verse 54, if they could call down fire from heaven to consume the Samaritans who dared to offend them. Have you ever wished you could call fire down from heaven on someone you don't like? keeping in mind there are probably people who wish they could do the same thing to you. Jesus did to James and John what he did to Peter. He rebuked them. But again, why? For their welfare, their growth, their salvation, their future ministry in the church. Peter, James, and John were chosen to witness the divine nature of Jesus in this marvelous mystery of the transfiguration, not because they were better than the other disciples. They were chosen because they were the densest, the toughest nuts to crack. And very often, it is the densest, the toughest nuts that yield the greatest fruit, but only when their hardened hearts are are softened by divine grace. The mystery of the transfiguration was designed to terrify them, strip them of all their preconceived notions, bring them to their knees, and it did. Then after the resurrection and the guidance of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost, these three would look back at this event and understand what a gift they were given A gift that was not to be reserved to them, but through them, through their weaknesses transformed by grace, through their preaching of the living gospel, a gift for the whole church. What is the gift of the transfiguration for us and for every generation? It would be more accurate to ask what are the gifts, plural, of the transfiguration? It is the revelation that Jesus is not simply another human being, a nice guy, a great teacher, a kind person, as so many today, even some who incorrectly call themselves Christians, vainly try to reduce him to. The transfiguration reveals that Jesus is divine. He shares the same nature of his Father. His word has all the power and the authority of his Father's word. In speaking with Moses and Elijah, Jesus reveals he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and something more. According to the scriptures, Elijah never died. He was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. According to the scriptures, Moses died and was buried. But according to Jewish tradition, Firmly believed by Jews then and today, Moses was taken up into heaven. The transfiguration then tells us Jesus is the hope of those who are still alive and those who entered into death. But Moses and Elijah also shared human weaknesses. But their presence at the transfiguration tells us God had already seen and sees now beyond the limits of a person, to the potential that lies within. And that includes you and me. The mystery of the transfiguration, this revelation of the divine nature of Jesus, can never be relegated to a past event to be piously remembered. It is a living reality. That calls us to have hope that just as the Lord saw all the potential in Peter, James, and John to be his disciples, so too he sees all the potential that each of us has and he will do whatever it takes to draw it out from us.